1: Welcome to Locked on Bucks, I'm Eric Name, ESPN Wisconsin Milwaukee Bucks reporter, and joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of Brew Hoop, Frank Madden. Frank, Bucks lost this one tonight, uh, 92-87, at one point on Twitter I referred to this game as trash, um, and then <laughs> total trash, and uh, I don't know if people got upset about about that because, I mean, it ended up being a close game in the end, uh, but... I just thought both teams played badly. Um, That I, again, it was close in the end and the bucks had chances to win it. um, But I don't think uh, that it was really a very good basketball game from, from either team.
0: No, I mean, uh, from the bucks perspective, obviously pretty easy to look at some of the numbers here. I mean, 37% shooting from the field, 27% from three, Um, By far, you know, their worst shooting game of the series. Offensive rating of just 91. And, you know, again, I mean, I think the Celtics certainly deserve some credit for that. Um, We see Semi Ozilay start. um, And between him and Horford, uh, we're able to contain Giannis pretty well. Um, uh, Everyone is talking about Giannis only taking 10 shots. He scores 16 points, 10 boards, 9 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks uh, in 41 minutes. Um, And... I don't know maybe just to like kind of knock that out first um you know I I give I give the Celtics defense a lot of credit you know I think they they kind of made made him you know drive into a situation you know they basically turned him into an iso guy um the Bucks weren't really able to get him going any other way there weren't really a lot of you know easy buckets to be found in transition or or you know off cuts or you know other things it was pretty much just Giannis having to you know, manufacture stuff in half-court settings, and um, you know, oftentimes he's just not as comfortable doing that. And I think a couple other factors too. I mean, it you know, a, a lot of talk during this game about Giannis's you know, ankle, and you know, how, how has that been? He's like tweaked it. It seems like every other game he's been tweaking his right ankle, um, and so you never know how much that is affecting him. It's obviously not his like dominant planting uh, leg, but still, I mean, he's a guy who likes to go both ways, so. You know anything that that could be bothering him obviously plays a factor, um, and also I mean the the rotation choice to sit him for seven minutes in the first half, Woof. and then play him twenty four straight minutes in the second half. I mean, it, you know I, I don't know. I mean it's just again like that. That's you you just wish you could find. I mean all the I think all the expertise experts would say you'd rather get him shorter blows multiple times than just one. You know late first to middle of the second or whenever that was um, rest in the first half so again I mean there's a kind of a component of this of like well it's the playoffs you know I mean like you you know I think we've talked about in the past like what, what was it like when, when LeBron was Giannis's age she averaged 46 minutes per game yep. in the playoffs you know I mean um, LeBron is an alien but you know Giannis is also some sort of alien and you know again like it's the playoffs sometimes you got to play huge minutes and um, so on the one hand I, I don't think I want to make Tons of excuses because I think fundamentally, you know, tonight Giannis not shooting came down to a lot of times Giannis didn't want to shoot. You know, he had some chances to take like, you know, five, six foot hook shots tonight in the second half where he opted to pass. And um, sometimes those were good passes and nine assists tonight. I mean, he made some very nice plays, Um, but certainly if he wanted more shots, I mean, there were there were more shots to be had. I mean, I give him credit. He didn't force a ton of like mid range jumpers, which, you know, is usually kind of the worst thing he can do. Um, But, uh, yeah, it was just, um, you know, just not not the level of greatness, let's say, that we expect from Giannis. And and obviously when you lose a game because your offense can't score points, um, it's only natural to, to say, hey, why did Giannis take, you know, 10 shots? And Chris Middleton, Bledsoe and Parker each took between 15 and 21. Right. And, you know, some of it's Celtics defense, but it's not like the Celtics were like double teaming and trapping him or something like that and forcing him to pass. Right. I mean, they they played him. Pretty honestly, um, you know, relative to what we're used to seeing. But um yeah, just a tough night. And I think the part that made it especially difficult to accept like him not playing at all in the second half, is that a Jabari Parker played a ton in the second half, and Jabari is the most natural substitute for Giannis positionally, right? I mean I'm not saying they do the same things, but at least from like a, you know, power forward positions perspective, like, you know, Jabari normally slots in for Giannis when the first you know, as a first sub. Um and Jabari, we'll get to him. He was pretty solid tonight, you know, uh, I think especially going back out on the road where so many role players had a tough night tonight, Jabari performed pretty well. And also Shabazz Muhammad actually gave them some minutes in the second half. Um, started off way better than it finished. But um, those are like the two guys who you could say are like the small ball fours on this roster. Or maybe not even small ball with Jabari, but just, you know, kind of like guys that you could maybe slot in and give Giannis a blow and both of them actually played you know more than they normally do in the second half and you still somehow couldn't get Giannis any any breaks and again um it's just uh yeah it's tough so certainly could have handled it. the the bucks and Joe Prenti could have handled that better um but you know fundamentally uh Celtics played good defense and Giannis Giannis also you know just didn't didn't have maybe his A game tonight
1: yeah i mean i think there's a ton of stuff in there that are some of the the larger, I don't want. I, I don't know if problems is right. Sure, the larger problems with Giannis, right? Like he doesn't have a jump shot. And yeah. again, it's getting better. I understand that, and I, I'm not here to upset anyone by saying that he doesn't have a jump shot because I always know what the blowback is. Like, oh, it's getting better. Look at these percentages from this point. Okay, I got it. He doesn't have a jump shot, which means. Uh, yeah. The, it, has,
0: it hasn't gotten that much, that much
1: better. I, yeah. Understood. I'm just saying anytime... I'll take I, the
0: bullets for you, Eric. I'll take the bullets.
1: <laughs> anytime I say that, I get 8 million tweets about, oh, well, he's improving, here. whatever. He doesn't have a jump shot. So if he doesn't have a jump shot, that means teams are just going to kind of square up on him and put a wall in front of him and say, okay, get to the basket. And this Celtics team, the best defense in the league... Um, has been more than willing to, one, switch actions. So if it's a, it's an inverted pick and roll, if it's a dribble handoff, whatever it may be, they are not giving Giannis a corner to turn around. And that's always the big thing, right? Like if it's a handoff, if it's a pick and roll, if it's anything, just giving him a sliver, giving him a corner, giving him some way to create that and at this point, he's forced to create that against a, pretty much a, a set defense. And that goes back to the Bucks not having the best offensive schemes and, and maybe closer to a bottom five offensive scheme in the entire league. So those easy kind of looks, those easy ways to spring him aren't there. So you're going to see a night like tonight where he has to decide, am I going to force shots? low percentage low efficiency shots like are you is he going to force those or is he going to play within himself make the right play pass it to the guys that he needs to pass it to and well i mean i think largely he chose to make what would be quote unquote the right play Right, like he saw bodies, he saw open shooters, and he'd kick it out. It it doesn't help him any that the Bucks were nine of thirty-three from three, because uh, he was the one kind of helping create a number of those looks. uh I mean, you circle Tony Snell's over five, Matthew 0 over two, Don Maker over three, Malcolm Brogdon over two, um, just guys not hitting those shots and he was the one that helped create a number of those and he doesn't get to benefit from those so instead of a a 12 to 13 assist night it's just a nine assist night uh and i, I don't know like it, this this, uh, this is at the core of really most Giannis things right like how does he figure out how to get to the next level how does he figure out when the right play is to make the right play, and when is the right play to force some of his own action? And maybe that wasn't the right play tonight. Maybe he did everything right, and the Bucks didn't, just didn't make shots. I would be, I'd be totally okay with that. I'd be totally okay with thinking that was, that that was the outcome of what happened tonight. But it is something that just kind of is underlying in any uh, look forward on this Milwaukee Bucks team. And I, I know I saw a bunch of. Jesus, this is coaching malpractice that Joe Prunty didn't get him more shots. He had the ball a lot. Yeah, It, it was it was in his hands. If he wanted shots tonight, Giannis could have had shots. He didn't want shots. So, uh, again, I understand blaming Joe Prunty. I understand blaming the Jason Kidd staff for not having a better offensive scheme. All of that is fine. But to say Giannis didn't have the ball enough, I, I would call that, BS because he yeah. did he, he had the ball it, enough he just decided that he didn't want to shoot which again might have been the right decision because maybe he wasn't feeling it or maybe they were going to force him into bad shots
0: yeah I mean and, and that's the thing I, and I I've never really subscribed to like getting pissed off with guys like passing and finding open guys instead of like getting their shots or, or whatever right I mean I, I again i the quote unquote right way is is fine with me. And again, I I would love for Giannis to be the superstar who goes out and, you know, gets 30 in the crucial game and, you know, whatever, win or lose like that, you know, you, you, you live and die with your, your key guy taking shots. But, um, but that's the fine line with Giannis, you know, and that's, it's something that you have to live with, you know, especially also like in late game situations, right? Because, you know, the bucks obviously generally have gone to Giannis late in games, um, not exclusively, but, um, it's risky because if teams wall him off, um, he's a terrible option to shoot a long, ju- a long jump shot, right? I mean, uh, a, a possession that ends with a Giannis long two is probably, like, the worst possession ending you could imagine that ends in, you know, not, not a turnover. <laughs> like, you know, you look at just... You know, I mean, Bledsoe's super frustrating with um, with his long twos. We saw way too many of those tonight. Um, but, you know, he's a 39% long two-shooter. Giannis is a 34% long two-shooter. You know, yep. I mean, it's just one of those things. Like, Giannis is bad at, at long twos um, and just jump shots in general. He's gotten better at threes, but he's still bad at long twos. And, um, again, like, it's just a, a horribly horrible way to end a possession. But you have to live with them because, you know, in no small part, because if you don't give the ball to Giannis and let him dribble drive, I mean, he's not going to be able to get to the rim every time. Sometimes he has to pull up and try to keep defenses honest. So, you know, it's just kind of the push and pull of, of a guy trying to, you know, build out his game, develop and, um, find that balance. So anyway, I, I I'm, I'm not as, um, I saw Nick Fidel like I saw Nick so Ferdell, like, okay. like asking about like all the, cause I think like the, like 90% of Nick Fidel's buck stuff is like about how many shots Giannis got like in late games or overall games or whatever and yep. whatever. I'm kind of over it, but, um, you know, it's, I know it's like what everyone wants to talk about. Uh, and obviously, yeah, if you get Giannis five more shots and he makes three of them, then you, you maybe win this game. But, um, you know, again, those I shots were there.
1: If Giannis yeah, wanted he them, he could yeah,
0: have Yeah, and them. he wasn't, and he was making good basketball decisions. I think that's the main yep. thing, right? Like he was making good basketball decisions. And so uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to blame Giannis, but I'm also not going to say like, oh, like, you know, like Joe Prenti should be fired for like never letting Giannis get touches. I mean, like you said, he touched the ball a lot. Uh, Joe Prenti is going to get fired regardless. So whatever. <laughs> it's fine. You know, like, <laughs> don't worry about that piece of it. Um, you know, so so anyway. Uh, yeah, I think we're done with Giannis' discussion. What, what else do we want to talk about? Do we want to talk about something positive or do we want to talk about? The rest of this basketball basketball
1: game. There were. I, I'm I'm curious where you're gonna go with positive talk. I didn't know uh, that that I mean, was neither, a thing. This is this is a serious, the first four so minutes of Shabazz.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, this is a serious like spin to kind of do this way. But you know, we had we had basically the worst games of the series for Giannis and Chris. And the worst game of the series for Giannis was 16 points on 10 shots, 10 rebounds, nine assists, two steals, two blocks. Right. I mean, hats yep. off. If you tell me that's the worst game Giannis is going to have this series, I, you know, if I knew that coming into the series, I'd feel pretty damn good about this series, right? Yep. Um, and I know Giannis is the guy you expect to deliver every night, but um, you know, it's the playoffs. This is the number one defense in the league, and losing Kyrie isn't, you know, make doesn't invalidate the defensive part of what they do. So, um, but Chris Middleton, you know, not a great shooting night, right? He wasn't going to shoot sixty percent forever, but nine out of 21, 23 points, did hit three out of six threes. Um, three boards two assists didn't get a steal or block Um, but you know again like in in a game where it seemed like everybody was you know kind of weighed down and playing at 80 percent of their abilities almost (laughs) like you know everybody seemed to shoot worse than normal from both teams for whatever reason Um, you know Chris still I I thought gave them you know that level of consistency and again like it wasn't a great shooting night you wish he could have shot better um, but in a game where everybody seemed to struggle and, and had, you know, no answers for really the Celtics defense, Chris did make plays late in clocks. He did kind of a lot of things that he's been doing all series. And again, I mean, if you told us coming into the series, I'll take the same angle. If you told us coming into the series that Chris Middleton's worst game would be 23 points on 21 <laughs> shots, and you know, played good defense on Jalen Brown and and uh, Jason Tatum. Um, Tatum was. Kind of a non-factor tonight eight points on seven shots brown 14 points on 13 shots you know we would have lived with those numbers any day coming into this game yep um you know uh, again i'm i'm not complaining about chris Middleton in the grand scheme of things and you know again you hope that uh that this is his worst game of the series I and mean, if that's the case then the bucks i think still have a shot at this right i mean the odds are really stacked against them at this point but um i thought chris was fine and then jabari parker i mean again like uh I think the valid question about all the role players coming in this game, all the bench guys was, you know, okay, all you guys who sucked in games one and two, you all got fired up and played well in front of the home fans of Milwaukee. What are you going to do back in front of a hostile environment in, in Boston? And um, Jabari didn't necessarily start all that well, but, um, you know, made shots as the game went on, um, hit, hit some big shots, especially when the Bucks were making a run. Um, in the third quarter, and I think he may, maybe in the fourth quarter as well. And um, you know, he ends up playing 32 minutes. And you know, I didn't a couple bobbles defensively, but I just didn't really notice Jabari Parker very much defensively, which is actually like a, a a very strong positive relative to what we usually have seen from Jabari over the years. So you know, for him to give you again not a super efficient night or anything, 17 points on 15 shots, two out of seven from three, hit his only free throw, eight boards, two assists, a steal. Um, you know, I, I, I would have happily taken that from Jabari, right. Not knowing kind of which Jabari Parker you were going to get. Um, I thought that was a totally acceptable version in the game where obviously a lot of guys struggled and, you know, Jabari had to chuck up some, some late clock shots, especially some threes that, you know, again, if your offense was running smoothly and the defense wasn't quite <laughs> as tight, um, you wouldn't have to, to huck up there. So, um, so shout out to Jabari and as you said, shout out to the first four minutes of Shabazz Muhammad's 10-minute ten, ten <laughs> stint. He scored 11 points in four minutes and then missed his last four shots. But uh, yeah, um, I, that's probably the uh, the extent of it. Basically, all the Bucks forwards were were fine and everybody else was, was garbage.
1: Yeah, I was going to say with with jabari i thought there was maybe a a couple possessions i can think of the one close out in the in the corner in the first half that jabari didn't get to and uh, maybe one or two others where he blew coverages but for the most part i thought like you said if jabari is invisible on defense or not extremely noticeable i think that's a win defensively and i thought that's what he was for most of the night. Obviously, you want him to hopefully be a little bit more efficient than seven to fifteen for seventeen points. But I thought there was a couple shots that he hit that were big. Um, I, I thought he had that monster sequence where game was got all his
0: rebounds right. Game got like was rebounds totally
1: and, yeah. out of control and awful and terrible. Uh, and then they go back and forth a couple times, and that sequence ends with a Jabari Parker and one. And then the next possession, uh, I think he grabs a defensive rebound, then he grabs an offensive rebound, and he throws it down with two hands and cuts it to a four-point game. And this was another one of those games where the Bucks were able to cut it to four and then no more. Uh, they couldn't get it any closer uh, than those four points. And I just thought there was, there was certainly enough moments from Jariah Parker where you thought, okay, you know what, um, it may not be perfect, it may not be exactly right, but you can take that. Right, like You can take him uh, in 32 minutes, 17 points, 7 to 15 shooting, uh, 2 of 7 from 3, you wish uh, one more of those goes in and makes his night just slightly more efficient. But to me, uh, I-, I thought he was largely fine. Chris Middleton, kind of the same. Uh, I thought we saw the effect of Marcus Smart a little bit there with Chris Middleton, and that was something I, I talked about on the podcast without you today, Frank, was just... Middleton has been getting to spots in knowing that I'm gonna get what I want when I get to those spots. Jason Tatum isn't good enough to cover me. Jalen Brown isn't good enough to cover me. Any of their small guys, whether it's Rogier or Larkin, they're not big enough to to cover me. Like, I'm going to get to my spots and I'm gonna put them in. And I thought a couple night couple times a night he got to his spots. And then it was, Oh, Marcus Smart, who's a pest and uh, is strong enough to kind of try to push me out. He's also uh, just has those long arms and he can just harass him. And uh, I thought maybe not quite as comfortable as he had been in past games. And even if that is missing two shots, that that's the difference between a, a nine for twenty-one night for twenty-three points and eleven for. 21 night with 27 points like that that can be significant so i thought we saw a little bit of that but again i don't i don't think you can complain about chris middleton Uh, for most of the night he was the guy that again the bucks were able to lean on when they needed a shot they needed to get a good one up and middleton was able to kind of create some of those looks so yeah you you said parker and middleton fine uh I guess the a couple things we need to circle. Late in this game, shot clock violation missed, and I don't know that I've seen a shot clock violation be any clearer. Yeah. Horford, I, I, live, Horford was live, on the it ground. Just, um, yeah. It was clearly not out of his hands. The buzzer had gone off. I, I thought one of the more clear shot clock violations I've seen, um, and then I think, I'm trying to see if I can find the tweet again, but I believe Giannis said post-game that they were told by the officials that they can only review that if it's uh, a make or if it's called. I believe that's what it is. They can't review it on a miss, which just doesn't make any sense. Like How you can't review that is just totally beyond me. So I thought that was just uh, beyond – comprehensible like uh, i don't i don't know how you can miss that call in that situation it just seems to me totally illogical i i just i i don't at all get it and i don't know i'm just the last two minute report's going to come out and it's going to show that i was wrong and it means nothing right
0: yeah yeah and there's been uh, people have been tweeting out some kind of um differing things like the prevailing opinion has been that the refs weren't aren't allowed to to review that and then i've seen some stuff on twitter uh uh, here i'm just looking at a um a friend of the pod cody lorenz actually tweeted out um a a screenshot from nba.com um about uh that seemed to suggest that they could in the last two minutes um that basically, if the game clock does not stop after a missed attempt, officials will stop play during the first pause in action prior any change of possession when conducting the review. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. So I mean, it seems it seems like, and again, it's like because I've seen that, I've seen the other <laughs> screenshots that say they can only review like makes or I think if the ball like goes out of bounds or something like that, like you know maybe they can do it too, but. Um, but yeah, it's just all very—it's uh, very confusing. I mean, it's a, if if the rule is that they can't review it, then it's a stupid rule, obviously, right? Correct. Um, they should let them play until there's a stoppage, and then, um, you know, like the right thing to do would be then to just reset to the time that you were at, right? Um, so anyway, it's—it's it, it's a bad—it's a bad thing. I mean, it was a bad call. It was live. I—I I thought it was clearly in his hands, and I assumed, oh, this is going to get replayed. But the problem, again, is, I mean, the Bucs don't get the rebound, which, um, you know, interesting. We haven't really talked a lot about, and we mentioned Ojale coming to the starting five. I mean, this was a decidedly smaller Boston team than we've seen uh, in, you know, the first four games. Uh, Baines only plays 10 minutes, Horford 38. So basically, they played two centers. They played at one center all the time, and they never played any of the kind of, like, two big lineups that we'd seen and that had started. And lo and behold... The Boston Celtics did not get any offensive rebounds today. They only got the Bucks had an 86% defensive rebound rate, which is basically the same as the Celtics. Um, so the Bucks totally kind of cut out all the second chance opportunities, and there were plenty of them with Boston. Like the Bucs, also struggling, Boston shot 42%, so not as bad. But um, but yeah, I mean it was a killer because they end up getting the ball back and draw a foul kind of immediately, and um, you know you think, oh okay, they're gonna they're gonna review this and give the Bucks the ball and um, obviously, that that's not what happened. And I gotta say we'll we'll always have the last two minute report, Eric. We can take solace in that.
1: <laughs> but I'm sure, and I think, sure. the, and
0: I, think and I think the Bucks were down five right at that point. And I think it was a minute nineteen, and then yeah. they they eventually didn't get the ball back until forty nine seconds left. I think. Um, so
1: well, the good news is even if that does happen in the last two minute reports, somehow the Celtics fans will take it and say that they were wronged in some way because yes. apparently it only goes in their direction. But uh, I'm not even mad about that offensive rebound. You got a shot clock violation. Yeah. They like got that possessions over. I don't care if you don't box out. Like, you don't need to defend 24.1 seconds. You defend 24 seconds. You did it. And I, i can't i can't be mad at you for not getting it because you exerted yourself to the fullest extent to get the shot clock violation that earns you the possession and then it didn't occur so um again i I just can't imagine getting that call wrong in that situation um a call may be wrong in this situation shabazz muhammad closes out this game and I, i told you this before we started recording I thought this was just another one of those moments in the Jason Kidd School of Coaching where you wonder, like, what are you doing, man? Because (laughs) Shabazz was great in those four minutes. I I think 11 points in four minutes, maybe 11 points in five minutes, something like that. And what you do there, to me at least, is you pat Shabazz on the back and say, thank you, Shabazz, we needed that. That was huge. You'll get another chance in Game 6 when your spot in the rotation comes around. We're going to go with our horses, and Malcolm Brogdon is going to come back into the game because we know Malcolm Brogdon can execute defensively. We know Malcolm Brogdon hits big shots offensively, and we know Malcolm Brogdon spaces the floor for Giannis Dettacumbo. You know all of those things. He's proven it in clutch throughout this series. He's proven it in regular play if you want to call it that throughout the series he's proven that from the moment he stepped on the floor in Milwaukee so to me it was just it was just a spot where again the Bucks had chances the Bucks could have won this game uh, the Bucks could have scored better offensively um, but I, I, I just I couldn't really I couldn't really handle seeing a crunch time lineup that had Shabazz Muhammad in it and again <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't do anything wrong. He absolutely did not. He came out and flat-out killed his minutes. He was awesome in those minutes. He kept the Bucks in it. He gave them a chance, and that's all great. But you go with your studs down the stretch, and this is something that Jason Kidd used to always do. A, a bench unit would get hot, a bench guy would get hot, and then all of a sudden he's playing the final 18 minutes of the game. No. That's not how Jet. this works. Like, Jet
0: needs to play eighteen minutes straight.
1: <laughs> like that—that's just in not how this it. works. Like it's great that that role player helped out and did a great job for you. Good. Reward them in a different time. If this was the forty-first game of the season, maybe sixty-second game of the season, fine. But in the playoffs, I just—I just can't handle a Shabazz Muhammad crunch time lineup. It just doesn't make sense to me.
0: Yeah, and. Brogdon plays 19 minutes for the second time in a row in, in the Boston games. He's played 19 minutes in Game Two, which we thought was weird. Um, he plays only 19 minutes tonight. I mean, he didn't play well, right? I mean, one out of five from the field, missed two threes, um, and and again, I mean, he really has not been particularly good since coming to the starting five. Well, he's not, he hasn't like been scoring particularly well. Um, but kind of what we said yesterday, you know, I I don't really think Brogdon needs needs to start. Nope. But he probably should be finishing, right? I mean, Absolutely. Uh, you know, just in the grand scheme of the universe, I'm going to expect Brogdon to be better than Shabazz Muhammad. And I realize I'm slandering the Bucks' season leader in PER and net rating and true shooting percentage in Shabazz Muhammad. That's right, Shabazz. You played well this year. And you Absolutely. continue to play well. In the, Absolutely. I mean, Shabazz... I mean, all of us that ripped Shabazz is a horrible signing. I mean, like he, he, there, there's no way you could have gotten like more out of your 117 minutes from a random dude (laughs) that you signed at the end of the year. Like he was remarkably good. Um, but even though the bucks were generally very good with Shabazz on the floor this year, um, like the Shabazz, Jabari, Giannis lineups have been horrible. Uh, the Shabazz, Jabari lineups have been horrible. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it just, yeah, it, uh, Let's just say it left a lot to be, uh, to be desired. Um, all right, let's go but, to the next
1: thing that leaves yeah. a, a lot to be desired. Eric Bledsoe. Oh, um, oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Do you, are you aware that the game started at all tonight? <laughs> um, were you, were you just confused about it? Uh, I'm, I'm not really sure. Um,
0: I, I did not want to have to, uh, resuscitate my, is Eric Bledsoe shaving points, um, line from February.
1: It's a great question uh,
0: in this game. But, uh, I mean, uh, our friend Dean Maniat had a had an extensive video breakdown of like Bledsoe like I would say playing selfishly on defense yep. because he would like turn down screen or t- sorry, turn down switches and then like gamble and like basically like and I mean, put everyone the, in a,
1: put... the first freaking couple of minutes he does one. The first couple of minutes of this game, he decided and you could see it as clear as day. It's the, the I don't even know you want to call it, the triangle switch, let's call it, where the Celtics run a middle pick and roll. And, and we've talked about this from game three on. Uh, I talked about it in yesterday's podcast. Dean and I have discussed it relentlessly on Twitter where middle pick and roll, big rolls down the lane, point guard switches onto him. So in this situation, Eric Bledsoe switches onto Horford. And that's that's the right play. That's how the Bucks want to execute it. And then, the wing from the weak side. A lot of the times, it's been Chris Middleton in this series. This time, it was Giannis. Giannis comes from the wing, takes Horford, which is perfect. Exactly what you want to do. And you can t- you can tell again one that the Bucks have been doing this switch the entire series. This is how they are combating that middle pick and roll and that switch that they have that puts the point guard into an uncomfortable position that's how they've been handling it and when they've done it well it stymies everything the Celtics don't have anything there's there's nowhere for them to go from that point and you could see it as clear as day Giannis said all right let's switch he ran in from the corner he took Horford and he sent Bledsoe out and Bledsoe just decided that you know what I'm not interested in this defensive scheme and I just I, I don't understand it. Like I, uh, again, uh, I think we saw a couple of people tweet about it. Maybe uh, I'm trying to think who. Maybe Nate Duncan um, had tweeted about that switch not getting executed. And like I don't even know what it is. You mentioned maybe it's kind of being selfish defensively. I I call it maybe childish, petty defensively. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the the desire to prove that he's a great individual defender and he really wants to shut down someone one-on-one and i guess in this series maybe he wants that to be Terry Rozier but that's the bucks coverage it it hasn't changed in 3 games that's exactly how they're going to defend that and he just decided that no i'm too good for it and like you said dean d did a a great job kind of deline the showing all of those ways in which Bledsoe acted like that. And I just thought it was, it was fitting that in the first few minutes of this game, you got to see one of them because uh, it's just a spot where I I don't understand what, what, what would Eric Bledsoe need to play within a scheme or play hard or play however, I, I don't even know how you want to describe it, but just plain, Within a system and executing within a system defensively, I thought when they were they were trading for him that maybe it was just being disengaged in Phoenix. I, and again, the Bucks' scheme isn't perfect, but this playoff series, that scheme has worked, and he just decided, eh, I'm too good for it.
0: Yeah, and the, I mean the, the the thing that's interesting, and I mean there's a lot of like. You know, justifiable frustration over Bledsoe in this series because especially with Parker now having three straight games I mean Eric Bledsoe's been the obvious guy who among the Bucks, kind of key regular rotation guys he's the guy who stands out the most for really disappointing and, and just and it's not even just like oh he just can't make a shot it's he's not making shots oh and he's also like actively looking like disruptive and not playing not making the right play not not like following scheme on defense and it's it's just like difficult to understand because I mean and, and it's kind of funny too I mean it's like we have to kind of divorce like what we're seeing now from like what we've seen all year because again I mean Bledsoe's always been like a, a spot picker defensively right um yep. and he would probably get away with that more in the regular season um but he was a very effective player in the regular season I mean I actually he had a better like net on off rating than Giannis this year I mean he. The Bucks were worse without Eric Bledsoe than with Giannis this year. I mean, like when you when you look at like how good they were with him, he was like plus 5, Giannis was like plus 3.6. Um and they were I don't know, like very bad without him. And obviously a lot of that's cuz like they literally had no point guard for 2 months, so and there's there's definitely reasons why that data is a little skewed, but the Bucks needed Eric Bledsoe on the floor this regular season to be good. I mean, that's just that's yep. just how it was. I mean, he had the second best RPM on the team, you know, he he was I think top 15 among all guards in RPM or point guards in RPM. I mean, you know, it's not like some crazy thing to say that Eric Bledsoe was an effective basketball player this year. Nope. And he was like, you know, so it, it's just such a killer because I mean, Delhi had two good games in Milwaukee and then, you know, him and Thon turned into pumpkins when they left the state of Wisconsin. Delhi, like couldn't even bring the ball up cause they just decided to pressure him and they had to have like Giannis bring the ball up. And, you know, again, Delhi does his Delhi stuff on defense and that's helpful. Um, but, you know, if you, if you can't make an open three, then it, stuff becomes a lot harder offensively, especially on a night like tonight where other guys aren't making shots. So, um, you know, just playing deli a bunch more minutes. I don't I mean, I don't think that's the answer. I mean, I think we've I mean, I know everybody like forgets immediately. Like I think like, we all turn into goldfish. I feel like in these really tense series, you know, it's like it's, it's like who had a good game last game. Like, why the hell isn't that guy like, you know, like we want to like dump like. You know, if like Middleton had like a bad shooting night in Game One, like everybody we know would have flipped out, and you know, it's like why isn't Sterling Brown playing, taking some of his minutes or whatever? You know, I mean, it's just like that's kind of the way things go. I get it, Um, but it's it's so tough with Bledsoe because I mean, he's had one like solid game, one basically average season like season average game, which was Game Three, and other than that, he's been just such a clear and like negative isn't even the right word for it because I mean, the Bucks have like. I mean, the Bucks were positive with Bledsoe on the court in Game One. They were even tonight. I mean, somehow the Bucks have still been very passable with him on the court.
1: He's just um, underperforming.
0: But he's just underperforming, and he's doing it in such frustrating ways. And and I think that obviously, like tonight, him jacking up early long twos. Um, in uh, you know, again, like is is another of these things where he just the things. He does that are not smart, are just like so obvious, and it's just so frustrating because yep. it's like, why are you doing that? You know, a blood I mean,
1: cell transition turnover in the first like the first yeah. three minutes was like everything that you get furious at blood cell for doing. Like, you had that uh, missed rotation, and then a blood cell transition turnover, it was his only turnover of the night. There's yeah. only one, but...
0: And he only had one foul, too, tonight, which is kind of crazy, right? Like, you'd think of him as, like, having all this foul trouble and being, like, all making all these stupid plays. His only foul is a flagrant foul Yeah, <laughs> the ball. Yeah, and it's all on, stuff that's just Rozier. so
1: obvious. Like, Eric, right. what are you doing type of stuff? And you just watch it and, and wonder.
0: And the crazy part was um, whoever was doing the, the NBA TV sideline coverage said, in the huddle like Bledsoe I think it was like midway through the second quarter Bledsoe said like hey guys we gotta wake up it's like uh dude <laughs> dude? dude uh yeah. are, are you are you shitting me right now <laughs> like you're you're like I mean
1: uh, yeah you're hey. the one that needs to be yeah. woken up how, you how are you doing that, that thought, while you're sleeping you're sleeping right now how are you yeah. telling everyone else to wake up yeah it's yeah
0: yeah I mean and that's what's killer it's like if the Bucs were just bad with Bledsoe all year then it's like well shame on the Bucks for just you know you know having this bad guy that they could just continue to play I mean he, he's he was their third best player this year yeah. it wasn't close um the last three months of the year I mean you could argue he was close to Middleton in terms of his contributions um and so it's just such a killer that like game after game after game he has just like I mean just cost you possessions left and right on both ends and I mean, again, it's like typical Bledsoe. He somehow ends up with more shots than points, or more points than shots tonight. Five out of fifteen. It's two out of five threes, sixteen points, five boards, three assists, three steals, a block, as we said, one turnover, one foul. You know, the box score doesn't really suggest just how frustrating he was. And again, it sort of sort of speaks to the fact that he'll still end up, you know, drawing he'll draw a couple fouls. Yep. He hits a couple threes in the second half. You know, he does enough, but just because of the way he does the things that are bad, it just feels so much more obvious. And you know, it you just you just wonder, like, man, if you could just freaking put a shock collar, <laughs> shock collar on him and just be like, "Bad Bledsoe, don't do that." Yeah. Um. It's just tough. But I mean, to be clear, though, like, uh, more Brogdon I think, could be an answer. Although, again, Brogdon was bad tonight too. Um, but just don't tell me like, oh, they need to play a lot more deli like. Uh, please like we're not goldfish the last two years we've seen what delhi does like delhi has a role okay 15 minutes i'm okay with that if he's having a good night then play him more but tonight again i don't think tonight was the night where you played delhi extended minutes because he just i don't think delhi had it either
1: all right uh talking a little bit about thon you mentioned him earlier Uh, he has two points tonight one of five from the field oh for three from three uh, two rebounds, no blocks, no steals, uh, six personal falls for him tonight. I, I thought – I didn't think it was a terrible game from Thun. Um just one where this, the Celtics made very sure, like, you're not going to get shots off. Like, his first three gets blocked. That's not with someone that size um, that can put it as high as he can. Like, that's just not something – you'd really expect and I think Marcus Morris ended up getting it so they they just kind of decided that okay Thon you had a fun couple of games but you're not going to get threes on us anymore and uh, they had that one they ran him off the line another time he was over three from three Um, defensively they I mean I thought Jason Tatum had a couple plays where he just gave him that up fake and Thon went flying and uh, I know that was something I talked to Thon in the locker room about after game four was like obviously the the Celtics and especially Tatum are, are going to try to get you on some of that stuff. And well, they got him on some of that stuff tonight. So um, I, I'm curious to see exactly what he looks like in game six, if he's able to bounce back. Um, but I, again, just a, a blah night. I didn't think an awful night from Thonmaker. Maybe, maybe you thought differently, but I, I didn't think it was like, Oh God, you got to get him off the floor. Like he was just on the floor and fine, but not making a huge impact.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if Thon was really, like, hurting them that much. I mean, that's sort of the thing. I mean, you look how the Celtics, how ineffective they were scoring. I mean, for all the Bucks' problems, I mean, they... And I, I don't think they just got lucky shoot tonight. I mean, I, I thought they, defensively they were okay. And, yeah. you know, this is kind of what happens when guys like Tatum and, and Brown don't make tons of shots that are difficult, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say that Thon was fine because I feel like I don't want to let sort of the the tyranny of low expectations come into play here you know I I mean again like he got the defensive rebounding I mean again it's just like it's a problem right I mean I think he had two defensive rebounds in a minute in the second half but otherwise um you know they were they were obviously you know and again like Boston didn't get a ton of offensive rebounds but um you know the fact that he can't just like grab a ball is is not good and um, there were a number of times where the Celtics kind of smartly put a body on him, like as a, as a guy was driving and he ends up fouling um, and kind of just gets like, you know, almost pushed, pushed out of the way a couple times. Um, and, and again, like those are, that's tough, but you know, you, if you're not strong, like you're just gonna, you're gonna have a harder time with that. To so, be
1: fair to Thon, they got Giannis with that early in this series as well.
0: Yeah, but Giannis suffers other stuff. <laughs> Giannis continues I, to like I I guess. no I have I have no faith in Giannis defending Horford in the post. He looks like he has no, no clue what to do. No, he's, no, no. clue what to do. I, I'm I'm like baffled by it's like he just wants to like slap Horford and it's like he's trying as hard as not to be overly handsy, but he's still too handsy. I
1: mean it's think really, about that possession Middleton had on Horford. That he had that possession, I think it was in the fourth quarter. I know for sure in the second half, where he got switched on to Horford, the Bucks didn't end up sending help, Horford tried a a little turnaround hook on him, and he missed it short. And was just like, wait, that's a thing you can do on Horford? Like, you you don't have to reach in. uh, You don't have to follow him. You can just kind of contest and try to get underneath him. And, I mean, maybe that is a a problem for Giannis that Horford just gets lower than him, and Giannis kind of isn't able to combat that because he is so long and stretchy. But, like, he just – it, yeah he's lost <laughs> anytime Horford gets the ball in the post with Giannis on him uh, my hopes are not high for what's about to happen
0: and it'll be interesting to see um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they they this kind of works going forward because presumably we're going to see you know no double big lineups in game six we'll presumably see you know Ojele start again and you know basically just one center at a time and you know, tonight. I mean, we didn't really notice. I mean, you don't really notice the center Giannis lineups when um, when he's guarding Horford as much, just because he guards Horford most of the time anyway. And he was doing it yeah. when when the Celtics were big. Um, I, I don't in front of me have what, what the Bucks did when the when they had Giannis at center tonight. But I mean, you can just sort of look at the box score. I mean, you can do the math. The the Bucks with Thon, uh, twenty three minutes with Zeller, ten minutes um so that means 15 minutes with uh with again i don't know if Giannis was the center in all of those minutes but um most likely he was and um you know it's uh it's interesting so yeah i mean let's let's see do the math zeller was minus six thon was minus four so with the traditional center they're minus 10 so in those other 15 minutes they plus plus five so i would assume if Giannis was the center in those those minutes they would have been plus five with Giannis at center so i think that does create some interesting looks um and and actually it's an interesting question, right? I mean, if they start Horford at center, I mean, the Bucks would never like Joe Prenti will never be this like interesting. Um but I mean, you're barely playing Zeller. Henson's hurt. Just move him out. Just what if you just start Giannis at center? Yep. Make them make them put Horford on I mean, who who guards? Who, who does Horford guard if not Giannis? Like if if the whole reason Ogilvy is out there is to guard Giannis, then that means you have to put Horford on someone else, and who's Horford gonna guard then?
1: Middleton? It's not gonna go well.
0: I mean, I don't. I I mean again, like I think the obvious thing is well then you just put Horford on. You you just put Horford on Giannis and you put Ogilvy on Middleton, right? I mean it's not yeah not rocket science. It's not like a horrible situation for the buck for the Celtics, but it's also you know potentially a better a better option for uh
1: i mean it's not the advantage that they had right like the advantage that they had was kind of the surprise of semi ogile and making the bucks contort to that so if the bucks make them contort to something um even if it isn't a net positive for the bucks at least it's making them play it even and you're not actively giving the celtics an advantage so i think that's a that's an interesting thing to think about. Um, anything else you want to talk about? We have a day in between these games, so we can talk some more uh, tomorrow night. Anything else you want to get off your chest here on the, the night of the game?
0: Uh, not really. Um, okay. I, I was actually not that stressed during this game. I uh, My wife was out, and I was watching over my uh, three-month-old daughter, which... Kind of makes you have to be a little chiller. It's hard to it's hard to be tweeting and, and getting really <laughs> angry when you're like literally holding a a newborn in your arms and giving it a bottle. So, um, so shout out to Matilda, my daughter, for uh, for keeping me a little chiller. And you know that was the thing. I mean, the Bucks fell down. You know, midway, kind of midway through the first quarter, probably they fell behind again. Sort of as that second unit comes in, they kind of fell behind a little bit and and that was kind of the rest of the game you know I mean they were they got down by as many as 16 a couple times you know kudos to the Bucks and you know Jabari and Shabazz and Giannis and probably combined it as a trio uh to uh to kind of help them get back get back in it in the third quarter they made their run in the fourth quarter as well um but yeah I mean I just it just just I mean they were just playing so poorly offensively it just it just never felt like they were going to make enough shots to uh to get in this game and you know watching tony snell brick two corner threes in like the span Oof. of five seconds um kind of summed up i mean again it's just almost like all right tony like you want to just not play in in the games in boston like are you gonna be able to make a shot <laughs> um and again i know he defends and and does other things but um man that's that's, that's that's tough and again they're just too many guys you know brogdon one for five dawn one for five snell oh for five delhi o oh, for two you know I mean, this is why people say, like, well, the Bucks maybe aren't aren't as good as we think. You know, when they're none of their when none of their role players show up at all, um, you know. And and again, I'll make an exception for Shabazz, but um, but it's uh, it's just tough. And yeah, it just felt like the Bucks were were going uphill the entire game, as you said, never got closer than four. So, you know, they just never really had that chance to kind of get over the hump. And I mean, I feel like that's a a story we've said too many times, right? The Bucks dig a hole early and and just can't get over the hump.
1: <laughs> somebody tweeted me and said this is a, a classic get over the hump game trademark eric name and i was like that's not a trademark i created getting over the hump but it's certainly a thing that the bucks have done throughout this entire season like they just have these games where they get to that spot sometimes it's two sometimes it's four sometimes it's six and they just can't get any closer." And they have chances. The uh, Bucs had, I think, a couple of possessions where they had threes that could have gone down to get it to one. They had twos that could have got it to two, had a free throw that could have got it to three. Like They they had their chances to get closer than four, just couldn't do it. Bucks lose 92-87. They will come back to Milwaukee on Thursday. And I'm trying to think through – we need to see exactly what happens in Spurs-Golden State, uh, but the Sixers did win their series, or did win Game 5 and close out their series against the Heat. Uh, so that, I think, eliminates at least one of the possibilities. Like, if there's going to be three Game 6s, I believe the Bucks were going to move to 7 o'clock Central Time on NBA TV, and now that scenario is gone. Um, so I think it'll either be... I think we're either looking at 7 o'clock on TNT or we're looking at maybe 8, no, 6. it It's got. To, I think it would be the early one if San Antonio and Golden State get through it. I forgot all the scenarios, but uh, we can update you on that tomorrow. I'm sure you'll hear uh, before the podcast uh, tomorrow. You'll see it on Twitter or something like that. All right, Bucks lose 92-87, down three to two in this series. Back against the walls, they come back to Milwaukee on Thursday. Uh, I was going to say a rough night for Giannis, but Giannis sixteen points, ten rebounds, nine assists, two steals, two blocks, five of ten from the field. Uh, decided to try to make the right play throughout the night tonight. Made the, uh, I mean, largely made good decisions. Just uh, didn't end up. Scoring a bunch or taking a bunch of shots. Chris Middleton, 23 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists. Jabari, 17 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists. And Eric Butso, 16 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals. All right, that's going to be it. Oh, you know what? Shabazz, I'll throw you in there as well. 11 points for Shabazz Muhammad. Uh, Did it in his first four minutes of the game. Bucks lose 92-87. For Frank Madden, this has been Eric Name. This has been Locked on Bucks. We will talk to you tomorrow.